It is a good Sunday, amen. I feel like I already had church. I feel like we got to worship, experience the presence of God, get some good words, um, good stuff. And I just, I feel like what I get to do is maybe just even put a, a cherry on top, or as I love in Psalm 23, it says that our cup can run over. So even though I feel full right now, God wants to fill us till we overflow. So I'm praying that even what I share this morning is just kind of the overflow, um, that we go from here just, man, abounding ready to do anything God calls us to. Um, so I'm excited. Today is, as you can hear, I kind of lost my voice over the weekend. I got boys that are playing football now, and we're in that season. Um, sacrifice, I think my team is playing right now. Oh, well, this is way better than watching football. Um, but uh, I'm going to lower this because I'm not wearing my shoes, and this makes me feel taller if I put it down here. Um, I, I was going to say I had no idea I was going to wear these socks, but actually this morning, I normally wear short socks because it's hot. And I saw these socks in my drawer, and I was like, I'm wearing them. So I got my patriotic socks on this morning um, because I am patriotic. That is who I am. It's in my DNA that I love my country. And um, I love that God's burdened me with a passion. And I, I feel like that's part of what I'm sharing this morning is that I want to grow in knowing how to steward what God has given me, this desire to see my nation serve God, to honor God. Um, Really quick, many of you know the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, right? Go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. There's something about even the Great Commission that Jesus gives us. He's not just saying make disciples of people, which he is. I get it. We can kind of do the hermeneutics and do all that, figure it out. But he uses the word nations. There's something about God that he loves people groups. He loves nations. If you read um, Acts, the very last red letters of Jesus before he ascended into heaven, right? Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me where? In Jerusalem, your local territory, Judea, the nation you live in, Samaria, the surrounding nations, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus has a heart for the nations. It says that there's healing in his wings, that there's this tree that has leaves that are the healing of the nations. In Revelations, it talks about that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And it says every tribe and tongue. There's something about this idea of nations. God has a value, not just for individuals, but for people groups. And I want to talk this morning about that. Where is your father's heart for a nation? Even going back to Genesis in chapter um, 17. I'll read this to you really quick. Chapter 17, verse 4 and 5. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you really quick. Then God said to him, you'll know who. This is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. What's more, God told him, I'm changing your name. It's no longer Abram, exalted father, but Abraham, father of nations. For that is who you will be. I have declared it. God is telling an individual, I'm declaring over you, I've decided, you're going to be a father of a nation. I know we can take that again, that he gave birth to Isaac. Well, his wife did, right? But he helped give birth to Isaac. And Isaac became, right, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. We know that Abraham is the father of that nation. But Abraham, in Scripture, is told he's the father of our faith. He's the father of your faith. He's your father. There's something about God is saying to you and I this morning, are you willing to step into a covenant where you become responsible for a nation? Where you actually have a heart for a people group? And yes, it could be a foreign land, we could be a missionary, but we are all living in this nation. And we should all start in our Jerusalem, Judea. It goes further as you go out. And there's this idea that God wants us to be a father. And I know I talked a few weeks ago about the spirit of Elijah and how we are to be, right, our hearts to be turned, the Father's hearts to be towards the children, children's towards the Father. And that was a great message a few Sundays ago, but I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. And this morning, I want to talk about 
the spirit of Nehemiah. So if you can, in your Bibles, find the book of Nehemiah. It's on the left side of Psalms. I know there's lots of prophets, and I always look on the right side of Psalms and Proverbs. Nehemiah and Ezra to the left side of Psalms and Proverbs. Um, and we're going to look at the story of Nehemiah. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Yes, I, I keep drinking. I don't know if it'll make a difference. It's hard for me to sing quietly. So when we sing these, build your key, I'm shouting and I lost my voice during worship. Um, <clears throat> all right. All right, so I will quote this before we look at Nehemiah. You can turn to chapter one. That's where we're headed, Nehemiah chapter one. And we are going to, in 30 minutes, go through the whole book of Nehemiah. So just get ready. Um, before I even jump into Nehemiah, I'll share with you on a more personal level. I won't go into everything that's going on me personally, but <clears throat> for the last several months, the Lord has reminded me of Psalm chapter 2, and it says this, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. I am your son. Today you have begotten me. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. I've been chewing and meditating. It's like, I love what Pastor Greg shares this all the time. Like, sometimes you, are, you have your daily devotions. You're reading through a book of the Bible. You're reading a psalm every day, a proverb every day. But sometimes it, it's important to take a portion of Scripture and just take that one for a while. And you can keep reading all the other things, but there's something about God is speaking something to you for a season that's not just for the day. And this has been a season of months now. I've been, just been chewing on this. And so I'm not, it's a lot for me personally that I'm not going to share with you, but I felt like I'm supposed to share this. Jesus longs for the nations. And you're his child. He's begotten you. And he's, he's telling you, will you ask of me for the nations? You have not because you ask not. We're going to be doing a lot of studying on Sunday nights about our founding fathers. There was prayer after prayer of God, give us this nation. Give us a nation where we can freely worship you. Give us a nation where we can be a beacon of freedom. There was these prayers that they wanted to be a father of a nation. And I would love for us to get a spirit of Nehemiah. You're going to look at this, which is much like our founding fathers. And so we'll look at, I, I was kind of going through Nehemiah and I was finding lots of points. And I know a good sermon has three points, right? Well, this sermon is going to be over the top because we got 11 points. You guys ready for 11 points? I better talk fast. 11 points. So starting in Nehemiah chapter 1, I better turn there. I can't read the whole book of Nehemiah this morning. It's not going to happen. So if you haven't read it before, read it. I'm skipping over tons of really good stuff. Um, but Nehemiah chapter 1, I'll just, we'll read the first couple verses just to give you context. How about, let's do that. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. These are the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the Lord God of heaven. We'll stop there. First four verses. Nehemiah had a heart for his nation. As soon as he could get word of what was going on in his home country, what was in his blood and his DNA, he wanted to know what was going on. And he heard the walls were broken down. He heard the people there were all in distress and not in, in not in good shape. 
And it says that he was brokenhearted. He wept, he fasted, he mourned, he prayed, and he took responsibility. And he said, and you can read the rest of chapter one, and he's owning sins. He's saying, I've sinned and my fathers have sinned. And he does this whole thing, and I don't want to go on all that. The first point I want to give you is, let me find it in here. I did this. I'll say this. If you're taking notes, 11 ways to bring a Nehemiah Reformation or 11 ways to walk in the Nehemiah spirit. You can title however you want. But first point, care deeply for your own nation. Nehemiah cared for his nation. He cared deeply for his nation. I was thinking about this. The more I listen to the news, the more I become desensitized to the broken down walls and distress that this nation is in. I'm not, I'm saying that's the wrong, uh, wrong approach, but that has happened to me. The more information I get about how we're going in the wrong direction as a nation, I tend to get disheartened and not want to hear anymore and get less involved, and I'm just jaded. Whereas Nehemiah, he heard what was going on and he cared deeply what was going on in his nation. I would love for us as a people to care deeply for our nation. And I got to back up really quick because we're going to go through these 11 points quick, but I got to back up. What my prayer has been and was intensely this morning is that God would somehow address how there is a political spirit that has gotten into the church. We are to have a deep love and a commitment to be praying for our nation but we are not to be driven by a political spirit. And I love how C.S. Lewis, he wrote the screw tape letters about how demons are having this conversation between each other. And he says in the Western world, kind of how demons work, he had this wisdom. Demons, they want to desensitize Christians. You're going, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, great, just leave it there and don't affect anybody else. Just get the Christians to get sidetracked. Get them either not to care about anything or to fall off on the other side of the horse and become so angry and so passionate that they lose sight of what God is actually saying. And I feel like this morning, this message, I would say it's for some people, and some people, I would say it's for people that sometimes I go too far one way and not far enough another way. Sometimes I'm so desensitized that I do nothing. And other times I get so angry and mad that I get driven by a political spirit. And I love through the story of Nehemiah, he walks this narrow path where he says, no, this is how you bring reformation to a nation. You don't listen to what the world is doing. You don't listen to a political spirit and you don't listen to the demons that say do nothing. There's a way to be involved and there's a way to care deeply for a nation. I would, as we go through these 11 points, I would love for you to ask the Holy Spirit, what's at least one, I mean, we could take all 11. Maybe that's a bit daunting. Take one of these. As Jen said, sometimes... We get so overindulged with information that we don't actually do anything. So I would tell you, take one of these and own it. Take one of these and own it. And after you feel like you've owned that, maybe take another one and re-listen to the message. But I would love for you today to actually walk away with one of these and say, that's my prayer. That's what I'm going after. So the first one is care deeply for your nation. Second one, we'll read it. Chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. <clears throat> now I'll go back to verse 7 and 8. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the regions beyond the river, that they, may, they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me the timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. 
and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So we'll stop there. Second point, ask your king for favor and resources. Ask your king. Who's your king? Jesus. Ask your king for favor and resources to bless your nation, to be put into your hands for you to serve and lead your nation well. I love this. It says that he asked for these resources for three things. He put them in order. For the temple first, then for the wall. We know Nehemiah, he rebuilt the walls. It says here, he asked for favor and resource, number one, for the temple. His mind was spiritual first. And then it was physical for the nation. And then it was for his own house. I'm asking favor for my own household too. He wasn't afraid to ask the king, hey, actually bless me too. Some of us need to learn how to ask. As I just quoted Psalms chapter 2, verse 8, ask of me and I'll give you. But we have not because we ask not. There's a God in heaven who does love America. He loves every nation. So I'm not getting sidetracked that I'm just... Oh, man, I don't even know if I want to say it. There are people who think that if you love America, that you're under a political spirit. I am not under a political spirit to say I love my nation. It is so biblical to love your nation. God, The whole Old Testament is God blessing one nation to be a blessing to the nations. I have no problem that God blesses America to be a blessing. I have no problem that God blesses Ryan to be a blessing to my neighbors and everyone else I touch and talk to. That's how God operates. Nehemiah is asking for favor and resources. When's the last time you asked your king for favor and resources so that you could go do something? Nehemiah was compelled. He loved his nation so much. He said, I have to go do something. I have to get out of my place of comfort where he was the cupbearer. He was living life. He was, in, he was comfortable. People over there, his nation was in distress, but he was having a good life. And he said, I'm willing to leave my comfortable, easy, good, blessed life and go do something to bring reformation to my nation. And I know I can't do it all on my own. I can't do it. But God, would you give me favor? Would you give me resources so that I can actually do something? I can actually be an instrument of reformation. And so Nehemiah is compelled. I've got to go do something, but I can't do it. So God, would you give me favor? Give me resources. And he asked big he didn't ask for small things. He asked for big things. He said, I want to go and everywhere I go, those kings have to listen to me because I have your favor. Because I've already asked God and he says it's mine, then I am expecting resources to show up. I'm not surprised because I already asked the king and he owns the cattle on the thousand hill. So why should I not be blessed? Because I asked for it. Not just to hoard it for myself. My priorities are in order. It's for the temple. It's spiritual to worship God, for others to get in on the glory of just enjoying God. But it's also for my nation, and it's also for myself. If I exalt it the other way around, and all I ever do is pray for my family and my welfare, and I never play, pray for my nation, I never pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. I've got things backwards, and I'll tell you, I'm just as guilty, if not more guilty, than most in this room, where a lot of my prayers has been for my own family first. But Nehemiah had it in the right order. God, what's your, I want to build your kingdom, like we said. There's a spiritual element that I have been born into, and that takes priority over my family. I'm to build your, I'm to be busy about your business. 
Yes, I have a responsibility to take care of my family, but that comes under your kingdom. I seek your kingdom first, your righteousness first, then all these other things get added unto me. So as I ask for favor and resources to advance your kingdom, then I can ask that you would build this nation too. I have a heart for this nation. And then I can ask for my own personal family as well. But sometimes it's, it's biblical to get these things in order. And if all we're asking is for our own personal favor, favor for our, God's like, I can't grant that because you're not asking in the right way. And so I, I just love Nehemiah. When we get the spirit of Nehemiah on us, that we ask our king for favor and resources. Number three, chapter four, skipping a couple. Like I said, we're hop skipping through here. Chapter four, verse seven says this. Let me find it. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Amorites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. We'll just keep reading through nine. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. So number three, Nehemiah confronted opposing rulers. Nehemiah confronted opposing rulers. I would say, I'm going to say this one first, this point, is not man-made rulers. These are spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That if we want the spirit of Nehemiah and Reformation, it's not coming against Gavin or Newsom and coming against whoever's in the president. It's not coming against those people. It's seen that there is a political spirit. There is a religious spirit. There are hosts of wickedness that are in heaven. They are very big demons. And sometimes I confront these no-name demons in my daily life. And God is saying, okay, keep fighting those demons, but you're also supposed to confront those big principalities. Where is the church confronting those rulers? says that the enemy is the prince of the power of the air. That he does have authority over this world. It's, he wouldn't have offered it to Jesus, right, after Jesus, when Jesus was being tempted. He says, I can give you the kingdoms of this world. Where does that come from? Because he does have them. Satan is possessing the kingdoms of this world. But praise God, we are here to build his kingdom. And we are to confront the kingdoms of this world. And so we're to confront those things. Nehemiah says, I'm going to confront them. They were opposing what God called me to do. And so I recognize it and I will confront it. I will come up with a plan to attack, to set up defenses, to, to recognize I'm in a spiritual battle. This is not a political battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. Abortion is not a political problem. Same-sex marriage is not a political problem. It's a spiritual problem. And the church needs to recognize where our battle really is. It's a spiritual, but we need to confront. Number three, confront rulers. Number four, chapter four, verse 13. Keep just a little bit down. 13 and 14, we'll read it together. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, to everybody, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Point number four, rally every member in the family to participate. Rally every family member in the house of God to participate. Even as I just said that point for the first time, I felt emotion because 
there's something that God is calling me to steward my four kids well. I'm not saying that one of them has to become a senator or take a political office, but I know they are to be involved. That it's deep within this father to love this nation, to have this Nehemiah spirit. And I have to pass on this Nehemiah spirit to my kids. Every family member gets in on this. If you read the story of Nehemiah, it says the daughters, there was this one dad that had daughters, and his two daughters stood right by him, and they started building the wall together. It wasn't a man thing. It was a family thing. It didn't matter what age, they were all in on this together. It required everyone. It's not up for that church down the road that knows that's really involved in politics, like, oh, they do that, and so we don't have to do that. It's, it's every member in the house of God needs to be involved in this spiritual battle. It's not okay to say, well, that's not my thing. We've got to ask for a Nehemiah spirit where we become contagious. Nehemiah was contagious. Read the story. He was so contagious. For 70 years, they had these walls. They were trying to rebuild it for 70 years, and I forget what it is, but it was just a few months. Nehemiah shows up on the scene, and within a few months, they rebuilt all the walls because Nehemiah had a spirit on him that was contagious. It got on everyone. He didn't just say, oh, we just need the masonries. If we just get all the people that know how to physically build, if we just get them involved, we can do it. He said, no, if you're a bookkeeper, if you're a, you're a stay-at-home mom, I don't care what your occupation is, you have a role to play. Rally every member in the family to participate. Number five, just a few verses later, verse 17 and 18. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. We'll stop there. Point number five, intertwined physical and spiritual. It's not okay just to intercede and pray and never vote. Never do anything to participate in what God has given us as we the people. We are the government. It's not okay. And it's not okay to get involved politically and never pray and realize it's a spiritual battle. Do you see here? Each hand had a weapon. One was a spiritual and one was practical. And we've got to learn how to intertwine both. We've got to learn how the church, it's not just our job to be the spiritual and it's up to the politicians to do the political. No. It's our job to hold both. And I, I feel like this is such a poignant sermon because where we're headed, we're starting with this biblical citizenship class. The elections are going to happen in November. There are some of you that I wonder, I don't know, I'm not labeling you, but I wonder if I didn't share this message, I wonder if there's some of you, maybe people that visit the church or join online and listen to this message, they might see us start doing things and they say, oh, that church is caught in a political spirit. They just, they want to register people to vote and they're telling people how to vote and that's not for the church. Actually, we're supposed to carry both hands. And at the same time, there's some of you that are very involved politically. And you listen to the news every single day. And you are very politically minded. And God, I'm going to call you back to say, you know what? You've got one hand on that political weapon. And you are not doing your job to bring up the other weapon. And recognize this is a spiritual battle. It's not a, it's not, Jesus is not coming back on Air Force One, Right? That's not where our redemption draws near. 
We've got to understand it's both. There's physical, practical things we need to do. And this church is going to get involved. We are going to have things here where we register. There's going to be things here where we are going to petition. There's things that we're going to do to get involved. And that doesn't mean we're going to get caught up in a political spirit. But it also means that those of you that are already excited about that, that's not all everywhere where this church is going. We're not going to be all about politics all the time. It's just that we understand that we do both and we know how to intertwine both and work with both. That was point five, right? Yes. All right. Chapter five. This is point six. We're going to chapter five, verse seven and nine. So chapter five, verse seven says this. And after serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. Skip to verse 9. Then I said, what, are, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? We'll stop there. Point 6. Nehemiah rebuked nobles and rulers. So yes, he saw the spiritual. He confronted the heavenly host of wickedness. But Nehemiah... Did not get caught up in a political spirit, but it says he approached nobles and rulers who had lost their fear of God. And he told them, what you are doing is not good. He spoke up. He, they said a serious thought. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't, well, I just don't like them, so I'm going to tell them off. It was after serious thought. He said, all right, this is the word of the Lord. It is appropriate and right that I confront this ruler who's lost what God has called them to. And they need to hear a voice of reason. They need to hear what God's word says. It is right to tell political rulers what God's word says. That is, the, that is the position of the church. We should be doing that. Like I said, the government, we are the people. The government is us. We have a responsibility to speak up. I love that that point is sandwiched in between verse... That, ah. Point five, right? You're holding both. Then this one I'm saying, confront actual rulers. Speak up. Say things. Tell people, you should write petitions and letters and tell your senators, your representatives, I don't want you to vote for this. That is appropriate and biblical and right. But now that's point six. Look at point seven. Just a few verses later, chapter five, verse 17. And at my table, Nehemiah's table, were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came to us from the nations around us. I'll stop there. You can read more context of the story. But Nehemiah was given the governor's portion. He had a lot of resources. And he could eat and have all these things to himself. But he said, no, I'm going to bring in the rulers, some that maybe he just spoke against. I'm going to bring them into my own house, and I'm going to be generous and give to them and honor and respect their positions. So right after point six to, to, right, to rebuke nobles, Point seven is honor and respect national leaders. Nehemiah knew how to honor and respect national leaders he disagreed with. He still respected their positions. Where are you at in your honoring and respecting leaders in authority of you that you disagree with completely? I remember hearing, I think it was John Bevere in a, a series we did years ago. I don't know if it was a dream or what, but... He pictured, at that time, I think it was President Clinton coming to the back of his church. Or I don't think he was the pastor. And the pastor was just railing on the president. 
he's godless, he's full of sin, he's doing all this. And this, the, the president came in and disguised it, and his just head just hung lower and lower. He came for encouragement, and all the church did was rebuke him, and he felt no love. And he left the church. He says, I can't get what I need from the church. I would be ashamed if that's who we become as a church. Yes, we have a responsibility to rebuke where they're wrong, but we also have a responsibility to honor and love and, and respect them. That they feel that the church is, is in, their, on their, in their corner, that we're here to support them. <laughs> Can I tell you, my own political bent, not to bring it all political, but COVID, I've shared with you several times, if it was left to my own political stance, I'm just, I, I hope none of you respond to this because we've got to walk the narrow road. If it was up to me, this is my political sense, not spiritual. This is Ryan personal, not being the pastor. Never would have promoted getting the vaccine. Never would have told anybody to wear a mask. Never would have done any of those things. Because that is where I was. That was my conviction. I was passionate about it. But I want to kneel my spirit. And God told me, partner with a local representative, House of Representatives, Tony Cardenas. And now bring onto your own campus, Ryan, and give the vaccine out on your own property. I was like, oh, God, I do not want to do that. But I want a Nehemiah spirit. I want a voice where I can speak into the lives of those rulers and authorities over me. I want the church to have a position where we are actually heard. And if we don't respect and honor, they'll never listen to us. So important. I got to go quick, huh? We're only on seven. I got three minutes. Eight. Let's do this quick. Eight. Chapter six, verse 12. <clears throat> then I perceived that God had not sent them at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. All right, so what's point number eight? Discern wisely to not fear spiritual or political pressure. I'll say it again because that's longer, I know. Discern wisely to not fear spiritual or political pressure. In this story, I'm not, I don't have time to read it all, but they kept opposing him, kept having political and spiritual attacks on Nehemiah over and over again as he was rebuilding. Tons of attacks came against him, but he had wisdom and discernment to know how to not listen to any of those attacks. They did not stop him or slow him down in what God had called him to. He had wisdom to discern. And this last one, it was a sneaky one. Someone that was a counselor that was in the inner circle came and said, let's retreat to the house of God because they're going to kill you tonight. And it said he had discernment and wisdom from God to recognize that is not a prophecy from God. I'm not going to go into the house of God and retreat. No, I'm going to be bold and go do what God has called me to do. Like I said, some of us want to retreat and I'm giving this message and you're like, I don't want to do anything with politics, Pastor. I'm not saying you have to get involved in politics. I'm saying, do you want the Nehemiah spirit? Do you want to see a reformation? Do you want to see God pour out his mercy and grace and bring a revival like the which we've never seen? I am believing for a billion soul harvest. We said, prepare ye the way of the Lord this morning. We're seeing all these things. I believe, before, this is my own personal, I, I can't, you can have your own thoughts. I believe before Jesus returns, there's going to be a huge revival. And that it's going to be here in America. It's going to be across the globe, but America is going to be responsible for some of it. 
And I'm saying, God, may Osborne, may Ryan be a huge instrument for that revival. Nine, chapter seven, verse five, says this. Then my God put it in my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, and the people that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up with up in the first return and found written in it, we'll stop there. Point number, what is this, nine? Nehemiah desired for organized administration. He desired for organized administration. We would love for the church to rule our nation. And I get that, we should spiritually. But at some point, we need administration. We need a government. And Nehemiah understood that. We've got to gather this together. We've got to get our documents in order. We've got to see what was written years before. We've got to read our constitution and understand what it says so that we know how to move forward. It's good and right to desire for organization and administration. It's not just a spiritual thing. It needs organization. The church needs to be organized in knowing how we administer justice. There needs to be punishment for crimes. There needs to be all these things. So it's good and right that we have a government that watches over us. So we as the church should be saluting them and promoting, yes, let's bring common sense to our organized government. 10, got to go quick. Chapter 8, verse 8. Find it real quick. So they read distinctly from the book, the book of the law. Oh, there we go. So let me keep reading. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn, do not weep. We'll stop there because we read that this morning. But here's the point. 10. It says that Nehemiah, who was the governor, political position, and Ezra, who was the priest, a spiritual leader, stood side by side. So this is the point. Stand side by side with political and religious leaders to bless and help your nation. Really long. But we've got to stand side by side. I know it's kind of repeating some of those things again. Standing side by side. Ezra and Nehemiah were up on the platform together. The political leader and the religious leader. Side by side saying, we believe this is how we bless our nation. And they administered, revelation came forth. If you read the whole story, this is when they got to hear the book of the law. The people that were living in Jerusalem were deaf and numb to God's word. And finally it's coming forth and they are brokenhearted. Revival is happening in Jerusalem. As this religious leader and political leader stood side by side. Where are we as the church, as religious leaders, to stand side by side with political leaders? It's important. Revelation came in their unity. Last one, because I know we're out of time. 11. Towards the end of the book. Skip lots of chapters. We'll skip. Chapter 13, towards the very end, verse 30. All right? Very end of the book. Chapter 13, verse 30. Thus I cleanse them of everything pagan. I also assign duties to the priests and the Levites, each to a service. We'll stop there. So point 11, cleanse everything pagan, assign every priest. Cleanse everything pagan, assign every priest. Nehemiah went there with this spirit to say, anything that's not honoring God, we've got to get rid of it. Nothing is too small. It's not just the big things. Everything we do. 
He just kind of went through how everything was organized. And he said, if that's not honoring God, we're not doing it. He cleansed everything pagan. And then he said, every priest has a duty. Every priest, you guys remember uh, Peter, right? He says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are a priest of the Lord. Every priest has a duty. It's again, kind of like rallying every member. You have a duty to your nation. To pray, to serve, to lead. It's time for Elijah's and Daniel's to work side by side. Elijah's were very bold to come against the political leaders and speak all these things. Daniel worked in the system, and it says the king loved Daniel. The kings always hated Elijah, but all the kings that Daniel served always loved him. It's time for the Elijahs and the Daniels to come together. It's time for this church to know how to operate in both spirits. There's times where I need to be an Elijah and rebuke nobles. And there's times I need to be a Daniel and respect and honor them and love them well. It's not that I get to pick one or the other. I want a Nehemiah spirit. But I know how to do both. Amen? So we're going to close this service. I've asked... um, I knew I wanted to pray to close this and end this. And at the back table, which is kind of like the table for tonight's um, biblical citizenship class, there's also a, a piece of paper, an app, eight and a half by 11, which is the watchman decree. And it's just a whole bunch of things we can decree and declare and pray over our land. So if you want, you can take one of those when you leave, just that so you have a resource to know how to pray, to know to be bold with authority and pray things over our nation. But um, I'm going to ask actually Janine to come up and lead us in a corporate prayer together to pray over our nation, that we would get this Nehemiah spirit. And I feel like Janine has a heart. As much as I have a heart, I'm patriotic with my socks and all, I feel like she outdoes me with this love for our nation. So I felt it's, fit, it's, it's fitting and appropriate that she closes the service to pray over our nation. So I, she had no idea she, I was going to do this until just right before service started. So be gracious to her. Yeah, so like Pastor said, I found out um, just before service started. And actually this morning I had been prompted to reread a journal entry from July 4th. So I will share that with you, but I don't normally share my journal entries. So um, no comments, I guess, even after, please. Um, I'll share it um, if I can read it. Fireworks, a fantastical and magical display of colors bursting forth to light the night sky. A celebration of the birth of a nation forged by grit and determination, an iron will to prevail and fight to the death to secure independence and freedom for an emerging nation. Yet as we gather to celebrate our Independence Day, I can't help but realize the very freedom so many died for being not so silently stripped away. Today I am thankful for our soldiers past and present who have been willing to sacrifice their all for our freedoms and for the freedoms of other nations. To the ones who are still affected by the traumas of war, battling daily in their own fights. To the fearless free thinkers who defy radical agendas being pushed against people. To the ones who have security but value liberty more, I thank you for continuing to give of yourselves. I pray that we would be a nation that learns to honor the sacrifices of our military, to remember our history, to stand in unity to protect life and freedom 
I am so grateful to call the land of the free my home, and I humbly recognize it is only so because of the brave. Today, I stand renewed to fight this battle for freedom. We have a future and a nation to redeem. Today, I choose to pray for and bless our nation's leaders, from local leadership over my own city to the president and his cabinet. Today, I declare that our cities and nations are in its set and appointed time here and now to be blessed and changed by our, our faith that our cities and nation will declare the glory of God. I surrender my pride and submit to the Holy Spirit to lead me in boldness, truth, and authority to see his kingdom and principles rule and reign in my church, in my city, in my nation, and in my own family. So I'll close in prayer. And uh, I'm actually intro the prayer, and then I'll let her actually do the praying. But would you actually just put your hands in front of you? If you, if you want to receive the Nehemiah spirit, would you just put your hands in front of you? God, would you fall afresh on us? Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? But would you also embolden us to walk with authority and power and might? Because it's not by our might. It's not by our power, but it's by your spirit. So we recognize that the spirit of, of Nehemiah is truly the Holy Spirit. So fall afresh on us in Jesus' name. Go for it. God, we thank you that you trust us to walk out under the leadership of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us boldness to be like Nehemiah in our own city, in our own nation, Lord Jesus. God, we declare that Osborne will be a place of freedom and refuge, but a place that does not compromise your word of truth. We declare that Osborne will continue to build relationship, to fortify and to renew, Lord God, that Osborne would be a place where leaders come for wisdom, Lord God, because your spirit is here and your spirit reigns. So God, we declare that Osborne will be part of a catalyst, Lord Jesus, that sees your kingdom come in this place, in Arlita, in Pacoima, in California, over the nation and beyond, Lord God. We declare that we will be obedient to be Nehemiah, Lord Jesus, to walk in the same spirit that led Nehemiah to rebuild the city walls, that gave him favor with local government, Lord Jesus. We declare that we will be obedient to do the things that your spirit has put our feet to action in. Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in each one of us and as a church corporately, Lord God, that we would honor you in the way that we live our lives with integrity and authority and boldness and at the same time grace, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that you are big, that you hold everything in your hands and yet you know us by name and you direct each one of our steps. God, today we declare that no matter what ministry we find ourselves in, if we call on the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have a ministry in everything that we do to bring your truth and your freedom to set people and nations free. So God, we declare that we will be obedient to do your work. Amen. 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 Let's go be Let's be Nehemiah's. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you guys. See you tonight. No idea. I'm not Perfect. Perfect.